with you uh, during that service, but as I said, I felt it was very important that I do what I did, and uh, glad that I did it, I'm glad that I did it. Uh, so, uh, but we do appreciate your faithfulness, your worship, Thursday night, the presence of God that uh, they told me was here. Amen. It is revival time at New Life. It's revival time. It's revival time. Amen. God is doing great, great things, and we're very excited about that. Very excited about what he's doing. Amen. Praise God. Well, Brother Tolstad, we want you to come. Amen. We love you. We appreciate you. Appreciate your ministry very, very much. What a blessing. What a blessing they are and have been to this church. Amen. Praise God. And uh, I think I think for one thing, the Lord sent him along at a time when he knew my, my voice really needs a rest. And uh, I've just about, just about talked myself into going to see somebody about trying to get some things done about it. I'm just a little concerned that it's giving out too often anymore. And uh, so, a preacher without a voice is not much good. Uh, not that I'm a whole lot of good with one, but... but uh, I'm sure not going to be able to accomplish much if I lose it all together. But we are appreciative that the Lord sent them here. And I believe it was God's timing and believe it was God's perfect will. Amen. And we're glad that they're here. I know that we are being fed from the word of the Lord. And we appreciate it very, very much. Amen. Got a lot of things going on. We'll talk about the schedule uh, probably tonight. Talk a little bit about what all's going on in the coming weeks. It's a busy, busy time of the year for all of us, and we know that. We recognize that. In fact, I will tell you this. Next Sunday night, one week from tonight, is our annual Christmas program, and uh, we call it a banquet. It's really just a meal, but everyone is invited to come. We'll have a great time next Sunday night. There will be some preaching. There will be some singing. There will be some fun and laughter, and there will be some good, good food. And uh, did we decide what the main course was? All that's set now. And we're having barbecue. I mean, what else is there to eat in Kansas City besides barbecue, right? That's what we're known for around here. So we'll have some good barbecue. And uh, we'll talk to you more about that um, probably tonight. But it'll be a great time. And you don't want to miss this. No charge. And uh, to our guests, we would love, we would love to our guests, no charge to our guests, yes. Uh, again, we'll talk to the rest of you about all that tonight, but no charge to our guests. We would love for you to come and join us and be a part of this, and uh, you, you'll have a great time, I promise you. And uh, how many of you remember last year's banquet? We actually had a young man receive the Holy Ghost at the end of the banquet last year. What a time we had. Amen. The presence of God met with us, and we had lots of fun. A visit from a special quartet last year and, and uh, uh, just had a lot of fun last year. It was a great, great time. And uh, I think we got a special singer lined up for this year, too. And so you don't want to miss it. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You just never know. Never know what's going to happen around here. But anyhow, let's have church this morning. What do you say? Let's try that again. Let's have church this morning. What do you say? Praise God. Brother Tolstad, come and take your Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. Wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen. Appreciate what we feel in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I'll tell you, I would be disappointed to come to church and not feel God. Amen. And I would be disappointed if I was, I believe it was Jacob that wrestled with the angel all night. And when he was done, he said, surely the presence of the Lord was here and I knew it not. Amen. I want to recognize whose presence I'm in. And I'm in the presence of an almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you turn with me in your Bibles today to Mark chapter number 10. Amen. I do consider it an honor, privilege to be here. Amen. Standing in this pulpit. Praise God. Amen. Brother Reagan can say he's not much good. He's one of the best, if not the best, Bible teacher I ever heard in my life. Amen. That doesn't even consider his preaching. Praise God. Amen. Great man of God that you have as a pastor. Amen. I appreciate him very, very much. Mark chapter 10, verse number 17. It says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. For a little bit this morning to endeavor to preach on the subject of the saddest story ever told. The saddest story ever told. Amen. Can you lift your hands? Ask God to have his way. Lord, we love you, Jesus. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your presence, God, that we have already felt. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are in this place. And Lord, we're just asking that your perfect will would be done in the remainder of this service, God, that you would have your way. Lord, I need your help. I need your touch today, Jesus. God, I need your anointing today, God. Lord, I stand in such desperate need of you today, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, I need you today, Jesus. I need you today, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. If we go all the way back to the very beginning of the book of Genesis, we read there where God spoke. The Bible says he spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He, he split the darkness and the light. He called one day and the other night. And he, he spoke this and spoke that and everything. He spoke it. It happened. Amen. But then after that, he, he had that Garden of Eden that he put together. And after he had spoke all these things into existence, and uh, one of my favorite parts of it is that he said, let there be light and let there be darkness. And then it was like a couple days later that he said, you know what? We need something to cause the light. And then he created the sun. <laughs> 
Well, hallelujah, I, I find that amazing. Amen. He, he didn't need something to cause light. He just, he just said, you know what, we'll just put something up there to make the light and it, and it won't confuse everybody. Praise God. Amen. But then he had this garden and, uh, and he got down. The Bible said that he formed man out of the dust of the earth. He, when it came to time to create man, he got his hands dirty and went down there and formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of life. And Adam stood up as a living, breathing person. And there he was uh, in the garden of Eden. He had free reign in the garden. He could do anything and partake of anything he wanted except for one thing Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16 the Lord commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die amen one thing that Adam could not do is he could not eat uh, of this one tree. God went one day in God's deep sleep to fall on Adam. He took from him a rib and, uh, and made from that rib a woman. And uh, Eve came into the world to be the helpmeet of Adam. And I don't know how long they were together in the Garden of Eden. But we do know that one day as they went about through the garden that Eve uh, ends up by this tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. And once she is there, the serpent uh, begins to beguile her, begins to tempt her, uh, begin to tell her, you know what, you can eat of this tree, but you shall not surely die. He put one word in there that God did not speak. Well, praise God. Amen. And so she saw that the fruit was good to eat. She took and she ate and she gave it to Adam and he ate. And their eyes were open to some things and judgment fell upon them for their sin. The Bible says, wherefore by one man's sin did enter into the world. And so death has passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Because of one man that could not obey that one commandment that he could not touch one thing. Oh, help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because of this, there was some punishment. There, there was some judgment that fell upon them. Man uh, had to work with the sweat of his brow. And all of a sudden, uh, where there had never been weeds or briars, all of a sudden there was. If you'd grown up where I grew up, you'd understand the horror of blackberry bushes. Praise God. You plant one and like 30 days later your whole yard's covered in them. I mean, they just take over. I, we had some around where I worked and it was a constant chore trying to tear them out. And I'm telling you, when you're tearing them out, they're tearing you out too. Praise God. They're just no fun. Hey man, we had this, we had a youth camp at a place that blackberry bushes was just taking over this one side which just so happened to be the boundary of left field in the softball field, praise God. And uh, I got fortunate one day and got a hold of a good shot, and this guy thought he could catch it. And I don't know what in the world he was thinking, but he dove into the blackberry bushes trying to catch it. I think it took three people to get him back out because he was so snarled into it, and he didn't catch it. But anyways, but, but those things, they take over. and I, We can go all the way back to Adam to thank him for it. And of course, the curse came that women would have to bear pain in childbirth. Praise God. I say this tonight in all honesty. Very thankful to be a man today. Praise God. 
I'll go work by the sweat of my brow. I, we've had three kids. No, thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> going to get in trouble now. Amen. But by one man, sin entered into the world. These were two that lived in a perfect environment. They not only had everything they could want in this garden, but the Bible said that God came in the cool of the evening and there he would walk in the garden with them. And they communicated with him and they had such an awesome relationship. They had such an awesome life. But the day they disobeyed that commandment, the day they ate of that fruit, they were cast out of the garden never to be able to return again. They broke that communion with God. They didn't have that same relationship anymore because of one sin, because of that failure, because of giving in to that temptation. And what a horrible thing that is. And to think that they had to go through life. And yeah, they may have even walked by that garden knowing they couldn't go in there again. They remembered those days when they walked with God in the cool of the evening, when they talked with him. But they didn't have it again what a sad story that is but it's not the saddest story that was ever told there was a man that Bible says walked with God was a devout man God repented himself that he had created mankind and decided that he was going to destroy every creature because of the wickedness that was in the world. But the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the sight of God. And so God came and delivered to him a plan, a way of escape, if you would, from the judgment that was coming. And so he gave him the plans that we know as the ark and there. He began to build this big boat, began to talk to the people that came by, wanting to know what in the world are you doing, Noah? And he began to explain to them that judgment was coming, that rain was going to fall. And they had never known what rain was. And, and I, I'm sure they mocked him. They made fun of him. But Noah knew what God had told him. And Noah and his three boys continued working until they had built this ark. And the day came uh, that the ark was finished. And the animals came two by two and seven by seven. And uh, they entered into the ark. And God told Noah to get his family and there to get inside the ark. And when they were all inside the ark, the Bible said that God came uh, and shut the door. Hallelujah. The ark of safety that they had there was no longer available to anybody else. And there they were inside the ark. And, uh, and these other people, they were going about life like they had every other day. They were, they were having a good time, enjoying life. Uh, and as they walked around, all of a sudden something hit them on the head. Like, who spit on me? And then splat. And they're like, what is this? As rain began to fall. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Water rose up. Fountains of the deep opened. Water came. And I imagine as all of a sudden water began standing on the earth. They began to find the higher places. Amen. It kept coming. All of a sudden they realized that that righteous man 
who had preached to them for a hundred plus years talking about the judgment that was to come, the one that they had mocked, the one that they had made fun of. All of a sudden, he wasn't so crazy anymore. All of a sudden, it wasn't so funny anymore. And so they made their way to that ark that they had ridiculed and mocked and began to beat on the side of it. The problem was that when God shuts a door, there's no man can open it. They had had their window of opportunity, if you would, but they passed it on by and the ark was shut up and the water continued to rise until every living creature perished. Save for Noah and his sons and their wives. Amen. Because of wickedness, because of sin, they perished and God wiped them out. Of course, we know that They finally got back out on dry land. There was a rainbow in the skies, a promise that God would never flood the earth again. Amen. Every time we see a rainbow, Billy said, I don't know what that means. That's a promise. Every time we see one, we think they're beautiful, but that's a promise that God would never do that again. What a horrible, horrible thing to think about that every living creature saved the eight died. It's a sad story. But it's still not the saddest story I was ever told. There was a man chosen by God, anointed by the man of God to be the first king of Israel. He was a handsome, tall man, stood head and shoulders above everybody else. Humble man. When they went looking for him, they could not find him. They finally found him hidden amongst the stuff. They brought him out. They made him king over Israel. He began pretty good. But there finally came a day when Saul was lifted up in his own mind. And he thought himself to be above everybody else. Even if he would, he didn't even find the place where he could humble himself before God. It was beneath him. First grievous sin he did, of course, was when it was time to go to battle and Samuel was supposed to come and offer a sacrifice. And he waited seven days. Samuel didn't show up, so he lit it himself. Judgment felt that the kingdom would be taken away from him. And, uh, and then, of course, God ordered him to go destroy the Amalekites, which, is a, which in itself is a sad deal. But the Amalekites had been very... <clears throat> evil I guess you could say towards the people of God and God was tired of them and said you know what this is the judgment that's going to fall you're to go down there and utterly destroy them every living creature you say well that's disgusting that was a commandment from God Amen. And so Saul went down there and he defeated them utterly. He, he really did defeat them he worked them over but good but he did not destroy them and here he comes back from the battle and Samuel comes and meets him along the way. And he said, how did it go, Saul? And he said, oh, we utterly destroyed them, this and that. And, uh, and Samuel said, well, then what is the lowing of the cattle and the bleeding of the sheep that I hear? And Saul said, well, it was the people desired to bring back the best uh, to offer as a sacrifice. And Samuel looked at him and said, to obey is better than to sacrifice. And then he said, well, who's this guy? That was the king of the Amalekites. And, he, and he, Samuel, and 
you read the story, he ripped his own sword out and went and slew that king. And that day, God departed from Saul. But even when he hears those words, he didn't humble himself and cry out to God. He wanted Samuel to. He wanted Samuel to pray for him. And I understand there are times in life when we need people to pray for us. I, I depend on the prayers of people. I, I need people praying for me. That's, that's something that I need to make it in life. But I cannot make it through life on other people's prayers. Somewhere I've got to find the place where I go and humble myself. Where I get down before God and I pray and I seek the face of God. That's where I really find my salvation is when I can pray for myself. Hallelujah, you got brothers and sisters all around here that they're willing to pray for you and with you. But I'm telling you, we've got to find the place where we can seek God for ourselves. Saul couldn't find that place. and He ended up dying a bitter, bitter man. The Bible said he fell on his own sword. And then an Amalekite brought some news to David so that he had found Saul sore wounded yet full of life and he killed him is what he said either way he dies on a battlefield bitter and without God to think of where he started to where he ended is such a sad story but it's not the saddest story ever told hallelujah it was born in Bethlehem a baby God robed himself in flesh and came and dwelt among us as he went through life he developed he grew began to do mighty things Performed many miracles starting with turning water into wine and, and many things that he did. And uh, he was such an amazing man, this man called Jesus. He was perfect in all of his ways. He was without sin. He was tempted in all ways like as we yet. He never gave in to that temptation and went in sin. He, he was a perfect man. I can get, just get lost in thinking about the perfection of Jesus Christ. I have fallen so short of what he was. To think that as a child he was perfect. As a teenager he never sinned. God had mercy on me. I'm just telling you. Them teenage years was rough. Hallelujah. But God had mercy on me. Jesus never did that. He never backtalked his parents. He, he never said, yeah, I cleaned my room when he hadn't touched it. He never tried to set his goals in AC school with a pencil so that he could change them later. He never stuck a pencil in his pocket to the scoring table when they couldn't figure out the answers. Y'all looked at me like that for 
Some of y'all don't know what AC school is all about, but for those of you who do, you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, man. But he never did anything like that. He was perfect. Hey, man, healing the blind and cleansing the lepers and healing that woman with the issue of blood and put, casting the spirits out of those demon-possessed folks to the maniac of the gatherings, over 2,000 devils. Yet in a moment, he said, go, and they went. He brought peace. He brought strength. He raised the dead back to life again. So many wonderful things that he did, yet he did not come to perform miracles. He did not come just to teach. He did not come to turn water into wine. He did not come to feed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. And he didn't come for that. But you see, he came, his whole purpose, enrobing himself in flesh and walking among us was to be the supreme sacrifice for my sin and for your sin. This perfect one, the one who had done no wrong, that didn't know what it was like to feel the condemnation of sin and that conviction because he never did it. We find him walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing what was coming, knowing what he must endure. Peter, James, and John went a little further with him in the garden, and he began to say, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, 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 that old flesh, that, that man, that could feel pain just like we feel pain. Did not want to feel the pain of crucifixion. Didn't want to feel the pain of the whip lashing his back. But he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as, as thou. Not mine. Not my will. Not my will. He's prayed so hard, he sweated as if it were great drops of blood. Come back, find his disciples asleep, wake him up. Finally, just let him sleep. What a tremendous, tremendous amount of stress that he felt, no doubt, in that garden. Finally, he said, sleep on. The hour's come. It's time. And Judas comes with this group of men carrying spears and swords. and He walks right up to Jesus, kisses him. He said, what are you doing, friend? That still amazes me that he could call him friend. Someone does something to us and betrays us. Boy, we're our enemy for life. And even though Jesus knew what he was doing, he called him friend. They grabbed a hold of him and he said, what? You had to come out here with swords? I was with you every day in the temple. Why didn't you take me then? And they took him. And begin a very unjust trial. Bringing false witnesses and false accusations. And, and they can't find wrong with him. They're, they, they're mocking him. I, I just read this again and the other day. And someone would slap him and say, okay, prophet, tell me who hit you. And he just sat there as the prophet Isaiah had foretold as a sheep. 
For his ears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He would not say a word in his defense. But he sat there and took it. Pilate tried him and could find no fault in him. In the form of questioning, found out where he was from and sent him to Herod. And Herod had wanted to talk to him, had wanted to see him, hoping that some miracle would take place that he could witness. And he too questioned him with finding no fault, found nothing in him. He said, it's on you, Pilate. Send him back to him. And again, Pilate said, I find no fault in this. And then, then he had a brainstorm. He said, okay, I know what I can do. It's the time of year where we let loose a prisoner. He said, I'll offer him Jesus or Barabbas. Barabbas must have been the worst one he could find. In murder, insurrection. He, he was not a good man. They said, surely they're not going to want him loose in society. So he puts him up there. He said, which one do you want? They said, give us Barabbas. I'm sure he was shocked. He said, well, what do you want me to do with him? They begin to cry out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate had him scourged, beaten, stripes tearing his back. That horrid whip just shredded his flesh. Untold pain. By this point, he's been punched, slapped, hair yanked out, beaten, battered, beat to pieces. And then they sent him to the place called Golgotha. Sent him to Calvary. They mocked him. Beating his body wasn't enough. They had to make fun of him as well. Putting that purple robe on him, the crown of thorns. Hail, King of the Jews. Smacking him on the head with a reed. And the whole time, the whole time, he was thinking of us here today. Knowing that we would have sin in our life, and the only thing that could take care of our sin was a sacrifice of a spotless lamb. And he came to be that lame slain from the foundation of the world. He allowed himself to be stretched out upon the cross and nails driven in his hands and his feet. There they stood him up and began that cruel, cruel death of crucifixion. Yet even on the cross, we see him saying, Father, forgive them. I can't even fathom the pain that he must have been in. But yet he still said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then finally he says, it is finished. And he died there on a cross. Blood pouring from his hands, from his feet. They came a little later to break the legs of them to try to speed up their death. Found him already dead, stabbed him in the side of the spear, and out came the blood and the water. They buried him in a borrowed tomb. And he rose again the third day. You know, it's a sad story. It's a wonderful story. It's a beautiful story. 
It's a true story. It's sad when you think of an innocent man dying such a death. But it's a beautiful story when you think of why he did it. That I and you might find salvation. It's a sad story, but it's not the saddest story ever told. See, the saddest story, in my opinion, that's ever been told was told that day. When a young man so full of life just seems to me in reading the the different versions of the story in the different gospels that he came there just full of life, full of confidence. He came desiring very greatly to find eternal life. He was wanting to find it. And he came and said, good master, what must I do? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you got to keep the commandments, begin to recite them. And I can see the excitement building in this young man as he said, oh, I've kept those from my youth up. He was a man that loved God. He was a man that was doing his best to live for God. Jesus, beholding him, loved him, loved him. Loved him enough to be honest with him. You know, it's not love of someone that says, well, you know what? You've done your best you can. That's good enough. When you know it's not. True love says, you know what? There's one thing thou lackest. You've kept all the, you've kept all the commandments. There's just one thing you lack. I'm sure at that point the excitement was really building. Only one thing. That, that's no big deal. I can do one thing. One, one thing. That's all I've got to do. Till Jesus said, sell everything you have. Give to the poor. Come take up your cross and follow me. I can see his shoulders slumping. His head dropping. Grief striking him as he turned around and walked away. For he had great possessions. I believe that this young man lived for his riches. Loved the fact that he had these riches. Obviously even more so than finding eternal life. And he walked away knowing, knowing the one thing that he had to do. That to me is the saddest story that is ever told. Is the story of the one who knows about the blood of Jesus, that he died to cleanse us, but yet turn around and walk away and reject the very blood of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 3 verse 3. Says Jesus answered and said unto him. This man Nicodemus came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said unto him. Verily, verily I say unto thee. Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? <clears throat> Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, 
Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. This morning, if we want to have eternal life, I'm telling you, we've got to take the words of Jesus. We must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. If we're going to enter into the kingdom of God, you say, how in the world are we born of the Spirit? Well, we can find the answer in Acts, the second chapter. Peter had just finished preaching when they heard this in verse 37. They were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do I have to do to fix this wrong? We crucified the innocent man, Jesus. We shed innocent blood. What do we have to do? I want to tell you this morning, the answer is still the same. What do we have to do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. The first step that we have to do is we have to repent of our sins. And then he said, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've got to be born in the water. When we go down in the name of Jesus Christ, we're born in the Spirit. When he fills us with his Spirit, Marvel not that he said you must be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to enter it, you must be born again. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Amen. You can't take the method of Saul who said, Pray for me, preacher. You've got to save yourself. You've got to repent for yourself. You have to be baptized in the saving name name of Jesus Christ and you shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Titus chapter 3 verse number 4 says but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appear not by works of righteousness which we have done It's not by my good works. It's not by my own being good and being a good person. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm telling you, we've got to make sure that Holy Ghost uh, is alive and well inside of us. Uh, Every day we've got to make sure uh, that the Holy Ghost is still dwelling uh, in our mortal body. Uh, We've got to make sure uh, that we're ready every day, uh, that we're still filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, when that fire came and sat on them, I'm telling you, the fire uh, of his spirit uh, is wanting to dwell in your soul. 
Amen. But it's no different than if you build a fire in your fireplace. You can't just put three sticks of wood in there or four sticks or five sticks and think it's going to last forever. But you got to keep feeding the fire. I'm telling you, you got to keep this Holy Ghost. You got to keep it alive and well. You got to make sure that the fire's being fed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey man, I, I didn't just come to an altar one time and let him fill me with the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, I've had to come back over and over and over again to make sure I'm still filled. We're saved by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I've got to make sure it's there. I've got to make sure the fire's burning hot. I've got to make sure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see this morning. We each and every one of us determines what kind of story is going to be written in our life. It's up to you if it's going to be a good story or a sad story. All I can do is preach. All Pastor Riggin can do is preach. All we can do is deliver what God's put on our hearts. We can't save anybody. See, that young man had a choice that day. He had a choice. And I personally believe that if he would have been willing to sell everything, God would have given him more and abundantly more because that's the way our God works but there's got to be that willingness that says you know what I above everything else I, I've got to be saved I've got to make sure I'm ready I've got to make sure today if you'd stand with me this morning today if God is pricking your heart today if God is trying to help you if there's something in your life that ought not to be there amen I would invite you to find a place today where you can repent of your sin hallelujah if you've never been baptized in Jesus name I want to tell you if you're baptized he'll wash that sin away in this only saving name of Jesus. And he promised that if we would do that, that he would fill us with his spirit. We could walk out of this place today filled with the Holy Ghost. You could walk out of here today with a new direction, with a new meaning in your life. Uh, no longer wandering, no longer wondering what is going to happen in life. But you can walk out of here with an assurance uh, that God is going to take care of you. Uh, that God is dwelling in your heart. 
You don't need to carry that emptiness in your soul. You don't need to carry that void any longer. But why don't you come and let him fill you. Don't let your story be the saddest one ever told. Don't let your story be a sad one. Amen. But let your story end someday by hearing the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. I'm telling you, that is the greatest ending to life is to hear him say, Well done. Amen. My number one goal in life is to simply hear those words. If I attain to nothing and do nothing in this life, if I hear those words, well done, it will be worth it all. It'll be worth everything to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. What will your story be? What will your story be? Will your story be the one of the one that said, you know what? It may only be one thing. Amen. But I got to take care of that one thing. Because I want to be right with him. I want to be filled. I want to be saved beyond everything else. Hallelujah. This altar's open if you'd like to come and seek the Lord. Amen. If you'd like to come and make sure that your story ends by hearing them words, well done. Amen. To make sure there's nothing that would hinder you. Amen. From God taking you where he wants you. Amen. If you're not, if you don't have the Holy Ghost today, I, I beg you today to come and repent and let God fill you with his spirit. It is the greatest thing that could ever happen. Being filled with the spirit of God. Amen. Won't you please come? Won't you please come and talk to him? Won't you come and seek him while he can still be found? Won't you please talk to the Lord today? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want it to be a good story. I want my ending to be a happy story.